Yeah, let's pray for Hannah. Father, I thank you so much for Hannah, for the wonderful woman that you have made her to be, for her gifts and for her skills and for her calling, for the calling that you have on her life to be your child and to serve you. And Lord, I just pray for her this evening as she brings your word to us. And Lord, we just pray that you will um, use her word to speak into our lives. Whether it's one word or one phrase or her message, Lord, I pray that you will use what she says. Father, I thank you that you speak so clearly through your words. And I thank you that you have spoken to Hannah through the passage that she's going to share with us. Lord, I pray that you give her courage, courage to stand tall, to know that she is your child, that she is loved. And that these words that she, are, she is speaking are not hers, but yours. Lord, I thank you that it is you that works, you that works through us. And I pray that you work through Hannah now. Amen. Hello, everybody. So, as Tim said, I'm Hannah, and I'm the worship intern here. Um, now, don't worry if you're slightly confused, if you're new or even if you're not new, that the vicar is leading worship, and the worship intern is preaching this evening. I have been assured that this wasn't a technical glitch in the rotor. That's at least what I've been told. So I'm going to do my best over the next 20 minutes or so um, to encourage you, uh, to challenge you, and to lead us in unpacking a little bit um, of the passage that uh, we are going to read in just a moment. Um, Before I get to that stage, I just thought I would take a few minutes to tell you how I arrived at this point and how um, I came to the passage that I'm going to be speaking on tonight. Um, As I said, I'm the worship intern, and therefore it seemed like a natural progression that I would be speaking specifically on worship this evening. So potentially we spoke about what it means to worship in the spirit and in the truth. And a couple of weeks ago now, I led the very first worship training session that we've had here since um, we split from our parent church, Holy Trinity, just up the hill. Um, And it was just a really great evening, really encouraging. And we began the evening by talking about what worship means to us, a very personal question. And I was really struck by many of the responses that came up including the incredible privilege and blessing that we have as a worship team to um, create and facilitate this space where we as a church meet with God. And that is amazing. That there was one response in particular that really spoke to me. And that was that worship should be our whole life. It's not just the half an hour of music at the beginning and end of each service. Worship is our whole life. So quite challenged by that and what that means in practice. As I was turning my eyes towards this evening's talk, um, I just really felt like God was calling me to go a little bit deeper. And so looking for some inspiration, I went to the lectionary readings, which is always a good place to start, I feel. Um, And I think only God could have delivered a passage that is just so powerful, so relevant, and something that I'm really passionate about. And so I'm just going to invite John up to um, lead us in that. If you'd like to turn in your Bible to um, Mark 8, starting at verse 31, 
Um, and if you don't have a Bible and would like one, please do come and find one of the team because we would love to sort that out. Mark 8:31. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man gain, give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. I don't know about you, but I think that passage is incredibly challenging and probably not the easiest first preached topic, probably fair to say, um, but sometimes God really puts a passage on your heart and I think we just have to be obedient to um, how it is that he wants to speak. Now, those of you who know me will know that I do like my to-do list. It's quite long, I'd probably say about 20 items, which only get ticked off when I add another one. But, you know, this evening I'm going to try and keep it simple, um, relatively simple. And we're just going to have two things. But if we cover those, I think I can go home happy. Um, So first thing is that we're going to look at when we say uh, to Jesus that we want to be his disciple, what does that actually mean and what does he call us to do? That's the first thing. The second thing is from that, how do we put that into practice? And how do we talk about that in a way that this talk isn't just a standalone 20 minutes on a Sunday evening, but something that's going to impact us through these coming days, weeks, and even months? Because this passage was written a long time ago and is something that today is still immensely relevant. And for the years to come, that's still going to be the case. So that's a little bit of where we will be going this evening. So looking at verse 34, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, you would be forgiven for thinking that actually, as being a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, that that would actually just mean really saying, you know what, God, yeah, I want to follow you. Come on, let's get up, let's go. I'm ready. That's it. But in this verse, Jesus says to us that there are two things that we must do. Notice the word must. It's not presented as an optional extra, an add-on to our Christian life. It's something that we must do. We must deny ourselves and we must take up our cross. So what does it mean to deny ourselves? You know, it, it seems quite ambiguous. What does that mean in practice? And we're in... A period of Lent right now where we remember when Jesus went into the desert for 40 days to fast and pray 
And as a memory of that um, and thinking about that, some of you, maybe many of you, may have given up something, maybe sweets, chocolate, something else in your life, which you just want to offer up to God and say, actually, um, I'm going to refrain from having that during this time. I actually had quite an unfortunate situation this week where one of my friends, who is here today, but I'm not going to mention who it is, told me that they'd given up sweet stuff for Lent. Um, So I, you know, thought, right, okay, that's good. I I must remember that, you know, so that I don't make a mistake and then end up tempting her more. Anyway, so I then proceeded later on in the week. I was remembering a time that she came over to mine for lunch. And I introduced her to um, kind of this homemade chocolate digestive that um, Mary and Andrew will know because it was their daughter that introduced me to it. And it's, it's kind of what it says on the tin. You get your digestive, get your chocolate spread, you're already winning. Then you take your chocolate spread, place that on your digestive, and there is your homemade chocolate digestive. I would recommend trying it. So I, I remembered that, and when I came to making it this week, I thought, oh, I'll send her a picture. I remember when we had it. Of course, forgetting that she said she'd given up sweet stuff for Lent. So it wasn't the best thing. So I feel being in a position of responsibility this evening, I would go away, maybe find out what your friends have given up for Lent, just so that you don't make the same mistake as me. But that is a side note. We will park that in the corner. And we will go back to um, what we're going to be speaking about this evening. And that is, many of you will have given up something for Lent. And that's actually a great example of how we can deny ourselves. And... I think in simplistic terms, denying ourselves means denying our will in all areas of our lives so that God can have his will. So giving up something for Lent is perhaps an example of that. You take something that that you like and you say, actually, God, I'm not going to have this in my life and I'm going to let you take control of, of that. But it's a start and it's a great start, but it's just a start. And God wants so much more in our lives than our daily chocolate intake or our daily Facebook procrastination. People looking at the floor, pretending they don't do that. Um, But he wants so much more. He wants access to every single area of our lives. He wants an all-access path to our lives with absolutely no area off-bounds or out-of-limits. He wants access to our relationships, to our finances, to our careers, to every single area of our lives. I say to you today, there is not a single area of your life that you can offer up to God that he does not want to be a part of. Not a single area. And that's incredibly challenging because actually there may be those areas of our lives and I know that there are areas of those lives, areas of our lives, that we don't necessarily want to open up to God. You know, we feel that somehow we can do that better, or God doesn't quite understand what it's like here on the earth having to do that. You know, he doesn't quite understand my job or what it would be like to give up my finances. We might say that, but actually we are still called, if we want to be his disciples, 
we must deny ourselves and deny our will in every area of our lives. And I can actually say I don't stand at the front of church today and say that lightly. I know the excruciating, difficult reality of what it means to do that in practice. And many of you will know that I was studying at Bath University when I felt God calling me out of my studies and into a calling to be a worship pastor. And that was an incredibly painful and difficult time for me. Education was the one area of my life that I wanted to hold back from God. It was the one area that I didn't want to invite God into. I'd go to church each week and I would pray and I would lead worship and every other area of my life I'd be like, God, you know what, you can, you can have that, that's great. But I would never invite him into that area of my life. I found it too difficult to even pray about it because I knew that our all-present God and all-loving God would want access to that. If I invited him in, he would change my life forever because it was that one off-limits place in my life. But I did. I did invite him into my life in that area. And it was really, really scary. Really, really scary. I'm not, I'm not going to dress it up and say, you know, I'm through it now, like it was easy. It was not easy. And there were times of absolute despair. Many of you will have heard uh, the song that I wrote called The Plans I Have For You, which was written the first time that I realized that God had placed this calling in my life and that I realized of the change that was to come and that I was going to be called to deny myself in that area of my life. The lyrics say things like, what if I can't do this? What if I'm not good enough? What if I fall down and I just cannot get up? Why do I have to do this? bang my head against the wall every day. All of these words showing the pain and the difficulty of that situation. And when eventually I decided now was the time after a long period of waiting, long period of waiting, and praying and thinking about it. And on the 2nd of January of this year, I stepped out into faith and I said, okay, God, this is yours now. I'm going to offer this area of your life, my life. I'm going to offer up my career and my path to you, Lord. I'm going to deny myself. And I stood here seven weeks ago today, which I have no idea how it's seven weeks ago today, but I stood here and the church prayed for me that I would um, be able to find somebody to take over the contract to my house that I would then have a place to stay, which would enable me to stay in the place I specifically felt called to. That a job would come up that would um, kind of go in with everything that I'm doing at church. You know, it would have to be specific hours. And then not just that, but that the internship would be a growing and um, a, just a really worthwhile experience that would help me step into this calling that God has placed on my life. And I was crying out to God. I was saying, God, I've, I've denied myself here. Like, it's your time to fulfill your part of the bargain. And it was at that stage that I realized that when God has a purpose for a specific area of our life, quite often that area that we want to keep back from him and that we don't want to deny ourselves in, when he has that plan and it is truly him, 
my goodness, will he deliver and just make it so clear. And I think a challenge is realizing when it's him that is speaking and not us. You know, it's convenient for us to think, oh yeah, that, that must be him speaking, when actually it's not. And I think that's the amazing thing about prayer and about church as a family, that we can work together to find out and to discern whether or not that is what God is calling us to do. But two weeks later, I stood here again with somebody having signed the contract for my flat, the wonderful Udell Smith, to who I owe so much, had welcomed me into their home as a member of the family. I'd been approached by the founder of an amazing charity called Mercy in Action that asked me to come and work with them in their finance department, um, which meant that I then got to continue what I was doing in my studies, having studied accounting and finance. And I was just absolutely loving my internship, starting to set up um, and train other, other members of the worship team, getting to know them and journey with them. And I just called my dad after the first worship training session. And I just said, Dad, this is God and this is what I want to do forever. And that it's amazing that God, what God can do when we actually deny ourselves. It doesn't end at the denying ourselves and it doesn't end at that pain. That's merely the beginning. And God has a plan for each and every one of your lives here today. I can say that with absolutely, absolute certainty. And that plan is bigger and better than anything you can imagine. And as Tim said a few weeks ago, we can imagine a lot, but God's plan is so much bigger and so much better than we can even imagine. Jesus says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And I think we have to ask ourselves when we're saying to God, God, I, I don't want to deny myself in this area of my life. I don't want to live in complete surrender and offer to you my career, my finances, my relationships, my family. I don't, I don't want to offer that, Lord. I think actually we have to ask ourselves, are we, are we having human concerns or concerns of God? Because God thinks so much bigger and there's something so much bigger happening here. This is merely the start. Our time on earth is merely the start of what is to come. So Jesus says to us that we must deny ourselves. But he doesn't stop there. And by this stage we're thinking, my goodness, I thought this whole being a disciple thing was going to be a lot easier than this. And so he goes on and he says, you must take up your cross. And again, you're thinking, oh my goodness, but what does that mean? What does this mean here on earth? What does it mean to take up my cross? And we often in society use the phrase, oh, that's a cross I have to bear. Often speaking about something, you know, maybe mildly unpleasant or some kind of thing that goes hand in hand with something else that we just have to handle. But that's not the cross that Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about dying to ourselves, losing our lives so that God can save it. It means living our lives in total, complete surrender 
so that the God, the maker of this universe, the maker of you and I, can have his will in our lives. And his will is so much greater than we could perform. I know often it it maybe doesn't seem like that, and we question God, and we say, but really, like, do you actually know what you're doing here? Do you actually realize the reality of what it would mean for me to give my money to the poor? Do you realize what it would mean to give this up or to do that? But God says, yes, I do. And he has it all in the palm of his hand. He has it all in the palm of his hand. I think quite often we can kind of mold Jesus into this human kind of, well, obviously he was human, but this kind of, not the Jesus that we think of and we read of in the Bible, but making him into this person that wouldn't expect us to give everything up, and he wouldn't expect us to do that. Surely he wouldn't do that. But actually, sometimes he does call us to do challenging things. And I was reading this uh, great article um, in Relevant magazine today by um, Pastor David Platt. And he said, when we do that, when we make this image of who Jesus is, which isn't actually the Jesus that we read about in the Bible, when we come to church each Sunday and we lift our hands and we are worshipping God, are we worshipping God? Are we worshipping Jesus? Or are we worshipping ourselves? And that's incredibly challenging. And I think we're on a constant journey of discernment about whether that is the case. But God calls us to deny ourselves. He calls us to take up our cross. That means to, to die to the instinctive pride that we often feel, to the anger that we have when somebody hurts us. When we truly die to ourselves and we take up our cross, those things are no longer existent. As Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your hearts, for everything you do flows from it. And when we surrender ourselves in complete totality, not just partially, but when we do that entirely, God has his will in our lives and everything that flows from it is of God and that's not selfishness or anything that is all of these kind of human uh, simple things none of that is of God Jesus says what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul I came across this amazing film on Netflix as I was scrolling through, and it's called Grace Unplugged, and I'd totally recommend it. Um, it's very light. It's not, it's not particularly heavy. It's just a good watch. And um, it's about this 18-year-old girl who is a worship leader, and she has this opportunity to step into the music industry. And she takes it. And she goes into that, and she has all of these amazing opportunities. She's living her dream. She's opening for her favorite um, artist. She's playing in all of these amazing places, um, recording all of this great music. 
And she just turns to her friend and she goes, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong with me. This is, this is why I came here. This is what I wanted. This is my dream. And she doesn't understand. There's just this one thing that's missing. And her friend turns to her and said, that one thing is Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what you do and who you open for and what you record and what you're singing. If your life is not for Jesus, what's the point? What is the point? And so she goes away and she thinks about it. And for the first time in months, she prays. And she returns to her church and she manages to write the first song that she's ever written that she just couldn't find before. And it's called All I've Ever Needed, and the, the chorus goes like this. I've chased a million things, bright lights and empty dreams. Now here I am, right where I thought I wanted to be. But i trade it all right now, leave it all and lay it down to get back to where I belong. Lord, all I've ever needed was your love. She had everything that she wanted. By this stage, she'd gained the support of her parents. She was fulfilling her dream as, as an artist, as a musician. And she says, I'd lay it all down. I'd trade it all right now to get back to where I belong. Lord, all I've ever needed was your love. But the question is, we see that, and and you'll see in the film. So that's what she does. But when we actually kind of put it onto our lives, and we think, in my life, would I do that? If I'm presented with um, giving up my, my job, which I love, giving up anything that is important to me, would I do that for God? And it might not be that. Your plan for your life is between you and God, and only you will know what that is. And it might be sticking with that course that you're struggling with for the opportunities that come the other side, and sticking with that job that's maybe really hard because God wants you to be a witness in that industry. Or it might mean packing it all in and moving to China to work in a largely Muslim community, as we heard from Gerard a couple of weeks ago. And actually, I think we have to open up our hearts to what God wants in our lives, in all areas of our lives. And I just challenge you this evening to let God have that all-access path in our lives. He's always standing at the door waiting to come in. Always. He will never leave you. But we have to open that door, and he wants us to open that door. So I just really encourage you tonight to do that. And just to remember, Lord, all I've ever needed was your love. And that was incredibly challenging for me to speak those lyrics and not to sing them. So I feel like that should definitely, definitely be mentioned. So I just really encourage you this evening um, just to think about maybe that area of your life and your life in general. And to actually just maybe take this time because that's what church is about. It's about filling us so that when we go out that we are actually taking what we've learned here out 
into the community and into our lives. So I encourage you to do that. And as I'm just going to invite Tim and the band up, I just encourage you to to think about that and in your life what it means to deny yourself, to take up your to take up your cross. But I tell you that it does not end there. It does not end at the denying yourself and and surrendering entirely. It doesn't end there. God says that we then get to follow him and we have everlasting joy with the God who saved us, with the God who sent his son to die on the cross so that we can be saved and that we can have this amazing, amazing opportunity to be here in this world. Should we just end in prayer? Lord, I thank you for St. Mark. I thank you for the amazing blessing that it is to be here and to be a part of this family. I thank you that as you call us to be a disciple and we realize what that truly means and we realize how difficult it can be to deny ourselves and take up our cross, we thank you that we are walking arm in arm and that we are there picking each other up when we fall. We're there cheering each other on. And we thank you that you have given us the best gift of all. That we have this everlasting joy and this opportunity to live with you forever. Lord, I pray that as you speak into our lives, I pray that you will open our hearts. That we will be open to the will that you have in our lives. And that we will place your will above ours. Lord, you are all loving, you are all present, and you will never leave us. We realize how difficult, just so, so difficult this passage is, Lord. But we thank you that through you, all things are possible. Through you, nothing is impossible. And that you will never leave us. When you place that calling on our lives, you will deliver. You will deliver in the wilderness when we walk through the valley and we just don't think we know where you are, Lord. You are with us. You are beside us. And Lord, you will never leave us. We'd love to pray for you this evening. If something in this resonates with you, you're not alone. And as a church, we stand as one family. And we are here to support you and we walk in it together. So if you'd like prayer, please do come find me, a member of the team who will have lanyards on. And just take this amazing opportunity.